Hello and welcome to this another special edition of this Political Party replay series. Uh, while I'm recovering in hospital, uh, the live shows will return as soon as I can walk and sit down and write and all that. All the all the gubbins um, that, that, you know, actual work goes into the show. You may be surprised to hear that, but it does. And it requires physical fortitude and mental fortitude, which I may not currently possess. I sound chipper because I've recorded this in advance. But um, my uh, latest episode, today's episode is from 2017 and with someone I had on the show a few times and is an absolute star and a subri. At this point, she was still a Conservative MP. And the story she tells about her experience of being a pro-European Remainer Tory MP, and this is from May 2017, are incredible. And she's fantastic anyway. Just funny, charismatic, outrageous, great fun. And on top of that, someone with very clear values and real passion and and an ability to communicate that. Not just because of her previous experience as a journalist, but just there is something really special about her and she expresses herself in that way. I love this interview. And this, I'd obviously been a fan in the run-up to this, but this, I was just like, oh my God, brilliant, brilliant fun. So, uh, well, I'll stop waffling. From 2017, this is the then-Conservative MP, Anna Subri. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in this election special, we have a very special guest. Um, One of the most outspoken uh, politicians currently in British politics, and I truly believe one of the most likeable. Uh, this is someone who has only been an MP uh, for a relatively short amount of time and has already made a huge impact. She represents uh, an area of Nottingham that I used to live in called Broxtow, and I'm sure whether you'll remain or leave Conservative, Labour or whatever, you will have been absolutely enraptured uh, by the rise of tonight's guest. She's one of the funniest politicians I've ever met. I've done a number of interviews with her, and she's always superb. Please give a huge welcome to Anna Subri. Yeah, that's a big blow. <laughs> oh, shit, that's a bit worrying. I've got to live up to it now, haven't I? That's all right, welcome to the show. Well, well it's, I've never been here, it's brilliant, I love it. It's a nice place, isn't it? It is, actually. It, I, I can't nice see crowd. it. But they all seem very nice, yeah. And, <laughs> <clears throat> and the bar's very nice, and it's, everything's nice. Excellent. Um, well, firstly, election fever. <coughs> did, you, did you expect a oh, no. to call an early election? Good God, no. Nobody did. There was speculate. Right, obviously. Oh, oh you off are recording. You record. Oh no, you're recording. <laughs> well, no, it's just you know. I, off I, the record. It may be the case that there was a group of MPs who may may happen to be in a WhatsApp group that may actually sometimes actually you know sort of exchange ideas and messages and that may speculate as to what was going on because genuinely and truly nobody knew what was going on, and so people were saying maybe she's stepping down because maybe something, maybe her husband is ill. Because, and then it was, maybe she's going to call a general election. Don't be fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may have been said. I mean, I don't know anything like that. So this WhatsApp group, then? <laughs> which uh, what, Presumably which, which Amber Rudd uh, has this in mind when she wants to de-encrypt. No, no, oh, God, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Amber, Amber Rudd is a very, she's great, she's a friend of mine. And I once sent her a text, obviously I can't tell you what was in the text, but it may have related to the government's immigration policy, you know, the word shit might have been in it or something like that. And, and it was, I, I think we should take this, this conversation offline. So I said, give me a call at home. And I shouldn't tell you these. She wrote, 
My phone is bugged, you know. <laughs> it is bugged. I'm ringing from the house phone. <laughs> so that she, makes she a can't. Bit paranoid. No, no, it's just that I, I, didn't, I never thought. But actually, yeah, all her phones. I suppose you think about it, it's a bit obvious. But yeah, they're all bugged. Well, not bugged, obviously. I mean, they're monitored. <laughs> <laughs> There's a key difference between. <laughs> bugged and monitored. Yeah, yeah, monitored. <laughs> so I've got this horrible coat. Oh, look, here's some nice wine. That will help my throat. <laughs> it's That's got grapes in it. Oh, it's Which very good. Vitamin C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's this WhatsApp group. And this no. But, <laughs> but how many MPs are on it? Oh, no, this is just a group of very sensible MPs who believe that... Just the two of you. Just the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tories, so there's five. Whose <laughs> Labour, unfortunately, be about two. But, no, it's just, a, as you can imagine, there are a group of people who you think we should you know, not have made the decision we made last June when the country took leave of its census, but we are where we are, as we say. I said that at some meeting, actually, actually you were there. Yeah. You know, I said, look, guys, you know, we are where we are, we've got to move on. And there are these people who were really angry. So I'm fed up with people telling me I've got to move on. <laughs> <clears throat> and he turned out that he goes and demonstrates outside Dining Street every week, and he says, I get thumped. <laughs> and you and I would go, I was a bit worried about this guy. Who thumps you? He wouldn't sort of say, just gets randomly thumped by people, apparently. Well, that was it. He said, he said <coughs> this was a debate um, <coughs> at the Sun for talk radio, and oh, Anna and God. I were both from the panel. And this guy gets up and says, I've been protesting against Brexit and I keep getting punched in the face. And I was outside Downing Street the weekend and I got punched in the face. Oh, and when am I going to get stop getting punched in the face? <laughs> and I thought IDS is around. <laughs> IDS goes around and just goes... <laughs> I don't know. It was very odd. Is that what Ian Duncan Smith does? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> is he quite... Because he's, he's a lot taller in the flesh, isn't he, Ian Duncan Smith, than he appeared on television? Markedly so, I would say. Ian Duncan Smith's quite a unit in the flesh. <laughs> no? Are we recording this on camera or just on audio? Audio. On, on audio. Oh, really? I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm, I, I, didn't, I never think of him as being particularly tall or physical in any way. But he's prone to lash out physically, is he? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not Small at all. Syndrome. No, 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 I could possibly go. No, no, he's all right like that. No, he's all right. No, he's... <laughs> it feels like there's something... I should that's... get into such trouble. <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, nothing changes. Well, there's an election on, like, no-one's... No Nobody's paying any attention. <laughs> Actually, it's really quite interesting because it looks like my party is not going to do daily announcements all the way through the election, which I actually think is brilliant because most people by the end of it are sort of sitting there silently wanting to take carving knives to themselves because it does get so intense and boring, doesn't it? And, and I, I might have been talking to a political correspondent today who said that... And then he said she, which it wouldn't be. It might have been a he or a she. And said, you know, thank God, because broadcasters go, oh, today's transport day. Everybody's going to be talking about transport. And, you know, all over Britain, people are going, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, because they don't sit... I mean, most people are not interested in politics. It's just the thing that's over there. And then occasionally they dip into it, and they do, but it does not consume their lives, like it does most people here. Yeah, but... It it's, it's also thrilling and, and fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you must enjoy it. Oh, yeah, there's things I do enjoy, but at the moment, I can't wait to get back to my constituency. I don't like being here. What? The atmosphere is... The <laughs> I like being here. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
contribute. They live in my constituency, obviously, but, um, and, and therefore can't vote for me. <clears throat> what I mean is I think the atmosphere in Westminster has not been great. I was hilarious last week when we all, you know, we, when the election was announced on the Tuesday, wasn't it? The Tuesday, and then I, you know, your brain goes to porridge with all the things that's happened. Who could believe this last twelve months? And it was quite interesting that the number of, of hard Brexiteers who just gave me sort of evil looks, and I think it's because they were planning to make sure that people like me were going to be deselected. In the in the years leading up to 2020, and all their plans have been thwarted. <laughs> so these. I'm being serious, actually. I think they are. I think they really were a bit miffed about the whole thing. So how many people are we talking about there? Well, but not that many. But there is a hard core of people who are hard Brexiteers. And, and it is more important than anything else in their lives. They live it, eat it, drink it and sleep it and everything else. I mean, it's a bit blooming sad. <laughs> but are we talking people like Peter Bone? Oh, I couldn't possibly name anybody. Uh, Philip Hollowbone? <laughs> I saw Philip. I saw Philip today, and he'd got a Union Jack bomber jacket thing. I've seen that one. Makes I've never seen this. Team GB. I ne have you seen his body? <laughs> um, and I'd never seen. Not yet. No. <laughs> and and we were having our photographs taken with the Prime Minister. Yeah. And he had this bomber jacket on, and I just sort of looked at it and went pulled a face and he said I don't suppose you'd want to wear this Anna would you and I said well the reason I wouldn't want to wear it is because it looks horrible <laughs> you know it's shit design it's, it's just like a blue city what do you call them things awful not because I'm not patriotic so I was sort of growling so and, and pretty sort of pretty Patel was with me and she just said just leave it just leave it. it's no point there's no point I said no but it really pisses me off the idea that you can't be a patriot you're not patriotic if you, I, I, these people are just warped. <laughs> Unless you walk around in a Union Jack. Unless you walk, I mean, come on. You know? <laughs> and, and I was really worried that he'd walk in and have his photograph taken with Theresa May wearing this jacket. What was her reaction going to be? Who is this weird man? <laughs> oh, actually, it's one of my, oh, oh, it's you. I mean, come on. <laughs> She's not going to do that, is she? Anyway, I went to have my photograph with, taken with her yeah. and she was wearing a jacket almost identical in colour to this. Yeah, we actually had a little conversation about whether we should both wear the same jacket. And you could see that moment, which sometimes women do, when you think, actually, I'm being very woman here. You go, Let's not talk about clothes. Let's talk about other important issues of state and things like that, you know. Um, but she's into a fashion, we isn't kept, she? But we uh, kept it on. Sorry, go It's on. something that she's talked about, but she's a fashion shoot uh, with a £1,000 leather trousers and things. Do you, do you think I don't talk about these things. I am actually, I'm an old-fashioned feminist. You brought it up. Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought it was interesting we wear the same colour jacket. I mean, it could have been a man in the same colour jacket. I've got my jacket. jacket on. No, not like this, though. It's cool blue. But, <clears throat> no, but I just, I just can't be doing all that stuff about who wears what and all the rest. I, I'm just not interested in, in You've got very cool shoes on. Ah, these are my canvassing shoes and my campaigning shoes, so I'll be out pounding the streets in these. Are they pra they're sort of thick heels? Oh, are they, yeah, are they practical for campaigning? Oh, you need it, because you know where I'll be campaigning. I do. Uh, Anna's <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like there's something else going on. <laughs> Anna's my mum's MP. I am. And, I mean, it's a fantastic constituency and it's completely mixed. In parts. But it's now... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, now, at the moment, it's just all sort of shaken up. 
it's it, vote-wise, it's quite uh, remarkable what's going on. Well, to give people some context, it's uh, some of you might know it's the constituency of Broxstone, Nottinghamshire, uh, Beeston, and parts of that near Nottingham University. Um, a sort of classic marginal seat. So it went Labour in '97, absolutely, uh, and it went Conservative in 2010. <coughs> it's been Conservative in the last two as classic marginal seats. But it, I mean, what it's, do you think will happen? I mean, I think I think a lot of Labour will stay at home because they just can't go out and vote for Jeremy Corbyn and they're not stupid. They know it's all about that. In some Labour seats, people will, will vote for the local MP, but actually I think the tide is so far out for Labour that even that one won't work for them. And so there'll be a lot of folk that will stay at home. There'll be some, obviously, of course they will, they will vote Labour. But I mean, I'm telling you now, it's, it's difficult finding them. They tend to be more middle-class people who will vote Labour. You know, the real Corbynistas, you know, they think he's the new messiah and everything. No, honestly, they, they are. They have some very odd people out there. But, um, <laughs> no, but there, are, there are. I mean, there's 400,000 of them in the Labour Party. That's why you've got this real problem. Because even if Jeremy goes, and he's a nice man. I mean, he's a bit like your nice sort of geography teacher that was a bit sort of, you know, flaky and a bit sort of chalk dust everywhere and everything. And I mean, that's a very long time ago, which shows how old I am. But, but, but I mean, he's actually he's not, an un, he's not an unpleasant human being at all. But, you know, the trouble is, even, so even if he goes, you still get to be lumbered with Jeremy Mark too. You'd be somebody like John McDonald. Don't let, get me off on that one. But that's what will happen, because you've got all these 400,000 people who think, you know, before I inevitably now ask you about John McDonnell, um, let's, <laughs> let's, just in terms of what happened in consti your constituency and, as a result, constituencies like yours, the, the, the battleground seats, do you get a sense that, as you said, a lot of Labour voters just won't vote or, or spoil their ballot or whatever? Do you get any sense of Labour voters coming to the Conservatives? Oh, yeah, definitely. Even people that voted Labour all their lives? Yep. What sort of stuff do they say? They'll say things like... <laughs> Hmm? I voted Labour all my life. Yeah. I voted, I voted Labour all my life. I'm not bloody voting for them now. I'm going to vote, I'm going to vote for you lot. And, and then I get others who will say, I like, and I like Theresa May. I've not heard one bad word about Theresa May. Not one. And people are quite honest with you. And I mean, I've literally been to hundreds of houses because we've got these county council elections on. So we've, we've knocked on hundreds of doors and, and people do like her. And I think one of it is because is because she's actually the daughter of a vicar. That may sound a bit weird. It's just that there's nothing not kind of to like about that. There's no prejudice that you could have. Well, and it, uh, unless you're... Unless you're <laughs> <laughs> what a mess he's got into. What would you have done oh. if you were him? Well, I can't imagine being him. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I, I can't imagine having a faith that means that you can't say, well, of course it's not a bloody sin. I mean, it was... I mean, I watched the, on, you know, Catch Up or whatever, uh, the um, interview with Kathy Newman, and I was embarrassed for him. It was so appalling and bad. I mean, God almighty, it's 2017, somebody can't get it right. On, oh, it's just appalling. Because if Theresa May was asked the same question, she's got... She's got great... Yeah, but she's good, but he's an evangelical. I mean, I'm not into all of this stuff. I don't really understand it all, frankly. I thought, you know, God was meant to be loving and Jesus was meant to be loving, and... Oh, you've read the wrong bit. I've obviously <laughs> had. Oh, get into the old school shit. Absolutely. But that's right. And then this idea, oh, dear lordy. And of course, I mean, one thing that Theresa May did, she was the person who was the big believer in same-sex marriage. 
But Farron's got himself into it anyway. They've got rid of this poor bloke. Well, not poor bloke, but this bloke who was who was an anti-Semite. They've got rid of him. David now, Ward. Yeah, he's gone. He'd probably standing for the Labour Party. <laughs> 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 no, they're not that desperate. <laughs> okay, maybe they are that desperate. But uh, and then and the gay sex. I mean, for God's sake, twenty seven. I would say twenty seventeen. But you think that the fact that Theresa May's a vicar's daughter I is part of her popularity? You know what? It's the fact that you can't you can't put any label on her that you you're stereotype. All right, but but it's not you know it's like I mean, obviously David Cameron old Etonian. And I mean, immediately you was coming in with a whole load of, frankly, often prejudices. But Vicar's daughter, it's kind of, you know, well, that means that she wouldn't have had much money. She'd have had some good core values, kind of what's not to like. And she's not an ev evangelical like Tim Farron. Mm. Do you get on well with Theresa May? Yeah, she's all right. I mean, I don't know her very well, but then nobody does. I mean, she does her own thing and she keeps herself to herself and she gets on with it. And that's the other thing that's going down on the doorstep is people are saying, you know, just get... I mean, on Brexit, you know, my, obviously you and I both absolutely agreed on this. And on the doorstep, people are saying, oh, for God's sake, just let's get on with it. It's not a big deal on the doorstep. And that's with Remainers as well, because obviously I check people out as to how they voted in the referendum, because you want to know what people are thinking and, you know, is it affecting their vote? So do you think, <coughs> the, the, <coughs> Conservative, the Prime Minister's message is absolutely that this is effectively an election about Brexit, strengthen my hand in the negotiations, it's... don't have a coalition of chaos. Do you think actually <coughs> that, that message might, might change from... From the Prime Minister as the, as the campaign goes No, on. not at all. No, that is going to be the message through. And actually, it's the backdrop. It's not... When you knock on people's doors, they're not saying, oh, I really want to talk about Brexit. They're not. They're just saying, yeah, well, life's fairly good. That's because we haven't had Brexit yet. That's an interesting point. Do you think at the point... Because the Tories seem uh, peculiarly united, or, or at least disciplined for now, going into this campaign... <laughs> I thought you were going to be sick then. Um, but at the point of exit, does that then reinflame those sort of Tory divisions on Europe, do you think? No, I don't, I don't know, because nobody knows, Matt, what's going to happen. That's the truth of it. And if anybody had written down what's happened in the last 12 months, you would have said that's a great little story, but obviously it's the stuff of fantasy. And it's true. You know, here we are, whatever date it is, it's April. Who would have imagined that this time last year we would be 12 months on talking about, you know, losing the referendum, Cameron going, Trump getting elected, Theresa May prime minister and having a general election. And he's absolutely stunning. The really great news is, is that uh, Le Pen is not going to win. Thank Christ for that. Do you think there are any... And I do actually think, I do actually think that so-called populist tide has turned... And, and it's like other countries are coming to their senses. They get it and see it for what it is, which is it's unpleasant. Are there any people on your side of the house <clears> that do you think of any sympathies with Le Pen or would like to see her? Oh, I probably, probably do. Who? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> but it's funny, isn't it? There seems to be, you know, if Brexit... Actually, I don't know. I mean, it's... Um, I mean, that horrible man, Aaron Banks, I mean, there's yeah. people like him who think she's marvellous, aren't there? Well, that's it. If, it's if, the UKIPI nutty nutters that think that she's got... Oh, it's just well, because nasty. she's anti-EU. And like before. Trump, you see, Trump's got supporters. He's got a few supporters on my side. Um, but are they genuine, full-blooded Trump supporters, or are they just people that are loyal to the Republicans? And I think there's a loyalty to the Republicans, but 
I think there's this idea that Trump represents the, this upsurge of populism, the, the downtrodden rust belt worker and all this other, and it is crap. What the frig does he know about it? Born with actually a gold spoon in his mouth and lives in some hideous gold-plated <laughs> tower in Manhattan. What the hell does he know about real people in the real world? He doesn't. And, and, and this idea that he's anti-elitist. God, he's the embodiment of the elite, isn't he? But it's, it's about what people perceive the elite to be. And it's, sometimes it's an elite of attitudes. People feel like there are certain things they can or can't say. They may perceive that, even if it's not true. And it's about, effectively, disrespect, in the end, is what it is, is that people like Farage and Trump are prepared to be rude, and that gives them the clothing of the rebel, even though there's establishment as they come. No, you're absolutely right. And the other thing is, you know, we talk about immigration, and you can give some people all the facts in the world, and it's, they just don't want to hear it because they've got a view, they've got a prejudice, and they are not, you're just wasting your time, um, except unless you can dig in on the emotional level that they're operating on, so which I quite do like doing. So how do you do that with a pro-immigration argument? What do I, well, one of the things I say to people, because they'll say, oh, you know, I've got you know, all these immigrants, and you're going, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, what are you talking about? And they'll go, well, you know, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we've got all these immigrants, and I always go, really, where? In my constituency, where? Where are they? And they'll go, well, you know, they're coming. Are they? Are they? Are they really coming? If they are coming, they're coming here to work. Oh, I don't know about that. Undercut wages. That's then you give them the fact that that's not the case at all. But of course, they don't want the facts. And I play a, a really very strong card. It's very emotional because a lot of this is emotional stuff. So I have to bat it back emotionally, and I'll go and I'll get them to a place where they'll say something about EU and polls, and then I've got them. And I'll say polls, really. You know why we've got polls in Nottinghamshire? Oh, no, why is that? Because they are the people whose grandfathers flew in the skies in the Battle of Britain and more Polish men died fighting for the freedom of this country than any other nation. And I do it in that really passionate... And they Bottom go... jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, then they go, oh, like, oh, oh, God, I didn't know that. Exactly. So what's your problem? Well, I don't have a problem. <laughs> And that's say, what you I'm have. I'm not emotional as you were saying. Yeah, that, but that is the way you have to do it. You have to look him in the eye and say, "What's your problem?" And I, I, I have a. <laughs> and he, he's heard this story. This is a true story. This is a true story. So actually, I was on my way to the cricket about this time last year to uh, Trent Bridge, and I did some campaigning in West Bridgeford because it was a lot better than campaigning in my own constituency. <laughs> and because uh, I, I was, no, because <laughs> well, it was. I Ken mean, Clark's it, the MP, and Ken Clark's the MP. <laughs> Isn't it great news? He's my Brilliant. And he's standing again. So this man said to me, he said, well, you know, I, I'm going to vote leave. And you ask these questions, you know what the bloody answer's going to be. And he said, well, you know, I said, no, I don't know why you're going to leave. All these immigrants, and I do. We're in West Bridgeford, there aren't any immigrants. What are you talking about here? And he said, he said, Newark. And it's a true story. He said, Newark, and I know Newark very well. He said, Newark, you know, nobody speaks, nobody speaks English in Newark anymore. <laughs> and I said to him, because I was really fed up, and I said, that's crap, and you know it. And I said to you, there's this thing, you know when you say to your child, you know they do something wrong, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they've done something, or they've said something which is really stupid, and you say, that's stupid. And they go, mm, I know it is, really. <laughs> and he went, well, yeah, all right. I, yeah. 
And I said, exactly, it's crap. And they said, well, they hang around on street corners drinking beer, they. And I said, oh, like, like, because of course, British born lads, they never hang around on street corners <laughs> in Europe drinking beer. And I couldn't be asked in the end, and I couldn't, and I didn't have the time, so I wanted to go to the cricket. You've got four pack of lagers and, to get on with. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, and, the, and the, my, the reason I get so agitated is that nobody calls it out, nobody challenges. So on the day of the referendum in Loughborough with the great Nicky Morgan, this woman said to me about, oh, I'm voting leave, why are you voting leave? Stupid question, I know the answer. All the immigrants, blah, 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 blah. And, and in short, it's quite a long story which I won't bore you with, but it got to the point where she was talking, she was a teaching assistant in a school, and she was talking about the number of immigrants that didn't speak English. And she accepted that after six months, all these brilliant children were speaking English. And then I said, and I bet after what, 18 months, two years, they're all top of the class. And this is the tragedy. She went, oh, I'd never thought of it like that. I'd never thought of it like that. And that's the whole point. Nobody has gone out, made the argument, engaged with people, you know, eyeball them out and say, right, what's your freaking problem? Let's get through it. Let's get the facts. Let's get the emotion and see the positive benefits of immigration. Oh, I'm on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good because it's so rare to hear politicians, uh, uh, even conservative politicians, make passionate, emotional <clears throat> pro-immigration cases. You know, it's always couched in the terms of, well, we need some, you know, it has to be controlled. It's always on the other side of the debate. Absolutely. You very rarely, in fact, I think 2005 was the only general election where a Prime Minister's really defended significant immigration in, in quite a hot campaign against Michael Howard. But really, my biggest frustration with the new Labour years was it was never really made exactly. a big enough case of. And, and, and if you're going to let it happen, then defend it. Exactly. And, I mean, I've, you, know, I, you know that there are some Labour MPs who I like very much. I have a lot of respect for them. And what makes me really cross... Well, seeing them again. <laughs> no, it, you, you, it, it is bad. It is bad. It is bad for a lot, a lot of these guys. But I mean, you know, there's one who I, I like a great deal, and they do this thing where they and people say, "All oh, these immigrants, I feel your pain." I mean, you don't say. It. I mean, yeah, you're right. They undercut wages. No, they fucking don't. And you don't appease people. It's like you know, you're frightened of actually having an argument and having a discussion with people because they're your people. No, you don't. You damn well make the argument and call it out. And overwhelmingly, when you do it. You win it. What hope do you have that the Conservative Party leadership will ever adopt the sort of position that you have on immigration? Well, I think they're beginning to move, aren't they, now? Because we're told, actually, we're still going to have free movement of people for a number of years after we leave the EU. Um, they've accepted that we need all these workers, not just in the fields of Lincolnshire, um, and, you know, picking the vegetables and picking the fruit and all the rest of it, but we also need people coming in from other countries to fill jobs. We've got 750 thousand vacancies in this country that's the reality of it and you know i just take that very robust approach and i think that slowly slowly people are beginning to get it and understand it and what they need to get and understand it obviously but it's only when business actually stands up and makes the arguments to them and it's like my other half who has um, he's involved in a business that has potatoes and daffodils so they need need workers obviously to pick just the potatoes and all that. <laughs> yeah that's all they do potatoes and daffodils <laughs> Truly, I oh, don't know what it is, but they do. <laughs> and, and as Neil says, you know, because he stopped throwing things at the radio. Potatoes. Well, no, no, no. Well, you know, through this whole thing, because people would say things, he just sort of lob things. He was so angry, like a lot of us. And as he said, who's going to do that? Bringing work. 
Who do you think is going to do the work? And that's why we do actually control immigration in this country. Because the, the, the market actually controls it. And as soon as unemployment um, falls, sorry, goes up, the number of migrant workers goes down. I mean, it's a bit chuffing obvious, isn't it? But, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, this is in the context of Brexit, isn't it, where we're trying to get as, as close to free movement as we got under the EU. Do you think we'll ever have a Conservative leader talking as passionately as you have about immigration, about how important it is, and about, the, as you say, the emotional pro-immigration argument? Don't know. Would you ever stand for the Tory leadership? Me? Oh, God, I'm too, I'm too old now. No, you're not. Of course I am. Far too old. Um, and also, I'm not... I'm, no, no, I'm, I don't know. Anyway, Theresa May's going to be there for ages. And she, I think she'll be all right. She's going to do a good job. She's going down storm on... Them. I actually said to her today... I made, I, it's like I'm talking to him and ignoring all of you. Do forgive me. But, um, but I, I actually said to her today, you're going down a going down a bomb on the doorstep. And I don't think that was the right thing to say, was it? <laughs> what, what, how did she react? I don't know, because by that time I'd been shuffled out of the room. You've been get, tasered by... Mad woman, program. get this woman out, you know. <laughs> I meant to say, I got that wrong. But no, I think, I think you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, the Labour Party is in such a dire strait, set straits that it's going to be... It's basically going to be buggered for a long time. So, when you talk to Theresa May... Uh, and obviously you've said that she's quite a private person, she keeps herself to herself and all the rest of it. Um, but your relationship with her is a, is a professional as well. She's the leader of your party in your country. You served as a minister under David Cameron. Do you think you would serve as a minister again under Theresa May? I don't know. Would you like I to? think it's unlikely. Well, I mean, I've got strong views. So, you know, I, I'm, and I'm, I've, I said in Parliament that having voted for Article 50, so having voted against everything I've ever believed in, um, because I promised my constituents that I would honour the result. Um, I then said, I'm going to be true to what I believe in from now on. I've done that bit, and from now on I'm going to do what I believe. Well, I'm going to be true to my principles. I had this bizarre conversation with this woman on Sunday in Trowell. He knows where Trowell is. Great, a very nice place, Trowell. And she said to me, she said, what? So somebody said, look, they've got a problem down there with this woman. She doesn't, she's not going to vote for you. She's a conservative, but she's well. She says she is, and she's not going to vote for you. So I go down there, and she said to me, "You're always moaning on. You are. You're trying to thwart it. You're trying to thwart all this Brexit." And I, and I actually said to her, "I said I voted for the bloody thing." For Article Fifty. Yeah. Well, I said no. I said I voted for the for the bloody thing or ruddy thing. I did. And she said, oh, "I was behaving myself." And she said, um, and she could see her face thinking, "Hang on, what are you on about?" And and I said, "The Article Fifty, the triggering. I vote for it." And then she said. Well, that's because of the whips, isn't it? I told that to the chief whip. He just burst out into hysterical laughing. <laughs> and, um, and, and I said, no. I said, excuse me, it's me. Me. I voted for it. I said, even it was, though it was against everything I've ever been, that I've ever thought of. I said, and I did it because I made a solemn promise to you in 2015 that I would honour the result. And she was completely silent at that point. And I thought, oh, I'm all right here. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, so I explained all that to her, and she said, "Oh, I didn't know any of that." I said, "Well, that's because of the Daily Mail, which obviously you read far too much of." <laughs> Have I told you my other story about this man? This is, this is absolutely a true story, right? So I'm out delivering leaflets in a place called Beeston, which you will know, Beeston oh, Rylands, like Beeston Rylands, down the right. No, no, down the Rylands. Yeah, is that the one, the three um, fishermen pub? Uh, yes, that's yeah. what. Uh, yes, the Jolly Fishermen. Jolly and then there's so the canal at the bottom. You see, so you go down, go down no, the Rylands. So you go down the islands, Duke. If you haven't got a problem, go down the islands. So around the islands. Shane Meadows. 
<laughs> yeah, that was. That's where he did all his. Anyway, anyway. so I'm, did, I'm doing out all these leaflets, and there's this man creosoting his fence in his garden. So I always say, "You're right then," and he goes, oh, "Yeah, I'm all right." I said, "I've got a leaflet for you." So he says, "What's that then, Duck?" So I said, "Well, it's actually a, it's a Tory leaflet." And he went, "Oh right, well I don't normally vote Tory." So oh, yeah, I said, "Well, have a look at it." And I said, "So how do you vote normally?" They said, "Me." He said, "Vote Labour." He said, "Lifelong Labour." He said, "Whether I'm going to vote Labour? Not sure." He said, "Mind you," he said, "RMP." You know, he, he said, "She's a right." Bloody bitch, she is. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, It's me. <laughs> I am her. And he went, Well, you don't look like you, and you've lost weight. <laughs> so, he was truly, truly mortified. I can't imagine. He, he said, oh, I'm ever so sorry. I'm ever, so, I'm, I'm ever, so, I'm ever so sorry. I said, no, don't worry about it. And then he went, and then he actually said to me, he said, anyway, he said, why are you all for leave? I said, what? He said, you, you want, you, you know, you're a leaver, aren't you? I said, I'm the chief bloody Ramona, me. I said, you, and I actually, I wanted to say to him, but I didn't have the guts to say, you ought to read the Daily Mail more. <laughs> I just saw that. RMP, she's a right bloody bitch. <laughs> I, I did tweet that out, actually. I thought it was hilarious. Do you, um, do you encounter much of that on the doorstep? Do you ever get into arguments? Or no, things? you should never get into an argument on the doorstep. But some people just want one, don't they? I mean, you, you, you so very, no, actually, people are quite good. I mean, the, the only t I have to tell you, the only time people are really rude... Well, there's the, I remember once being out somewhere and uh, handed this leaflet, and this man stood there and he said, what's this then? Oh, Tories, he said. And he started ripping it up and put it in his bin, and I go, oh, I, I could have had that back. And he went, but it's nice to meet you, don't you talk shit, but don't worry about it. <laughs> so he <get> that, <coughs> which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the, the, wor the worst ones are the middle... The only people who slam the door in your face are middle-class houses. And they look at you and they think, oh, you're a Tory. Oh, obviously, you're intellectually. <laughs> and they go, no, thank you. Bang, and you slam the door. They're the worst ones. And, you know, other people, it's, they'll, they'll say to you, oh, I don't agree with you, you talk crap. But it's nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> and they, 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 they do say, you, you're not as fat as you look on the telly. <laughs> Because I, you don't know, I used to read the you like this. I used to read the news in Nottingham on uh, on the telly on on on, on central. Not, not just yeah. in the streets. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh yeah. On, on the telly, on the telly. So I used to read the news, and I used to be a reporter, but I used to read the news, and so a lot of people still remember me. So I've been doing a lot of work in Eastwood. Yeah. Now Eastwood is where D. H. Lawrence was born. D. H. And it's a proper Labour town. And I'm amazed, this is why I'm amazed at the, at the reaction. It, it voted probably 70% leave. So you'd think, because Ashfield voted 70% leave, and Eastwood is in the borough of Broxtow, uh, but it, it will have been about 70%. And you would have thought I'd have got a lot of aggravation. And in fact, I don't. Bizarrely, people say, you're right. What are you doing here, Anna? Why are you here? Why aren't you down in Broxtow? I said, well, i just come up here to help this chap. And they go, oh, it's nice to see you, Doc. And I'll say, really? So, come the, this, because we've got these county council elections. Do you think you might vote for the, <clears throat> this chap? He's a Tory. And they go, yep, I'm voting Tory. Honestly, of, I can't tell you what it's like. Because Tories are owning Brexit, basically. <clears throat> I think a lot of it is that. Because they know she's going to deliver on it. I mean, if it wasn't for Brexit, let's say... And Corbyn got it so wrong. 
But then he's completely caught, isn't he? He's caught between his core vote that voted out and his more middle-class intellectuals that voted remain. Well, the and, and of course, an outer, really. And yet he's an outer because he's a weird, you know, he's a proper socialist. And so he's, he doesn't know whether he's Arthur or Martha. He's all, <laughs> all over. He's all over the place. And I'm, I'm not partisan, as you know, Matt. But, you know, the, the, no, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. I mean, full credit to some of your... I mean, I saw Tom Blenkinsop today, oh. who's the MP, and I'm very sad to see a um, very able young man like him leaving Parliament for no other reason than... He, he just can't be in the Labour Party anymore. Um, and that is very, very sad. But it, it has to be said, the thing about people like Corbyn is they do not resonate at all with your traditional working-class Labour voters. He couldn't go round eastward. He couldn't go down the Rylands. I mean, you know, you talk about the Outer Mongolian basket weavers and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, and, 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 and people would say to him, what, you know, what the fuck are you only talking about, Jeremy? <laughs> and it would freak the guy out. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I mean, obviously, you're, you're slightly part of because you, you, you know it comes to the, to the blue mass, but I take your point. I mean, I think a lot of people are quite cynical when Conservative MPs like yourself talk about caring about the state of the Labour <coughs> Party or wanting a proper opposition and just presume that you're kind of laughing at the whole thing. I mean, for you, no, is, not at all. how serious is it to you to have a functioning opposition and Absolutely to have a, a Labour critical. Party specifically that you can respect on? Something? Absolutely critical. And that was all the thing about as, as it was all unfolding after the referendum. A classic, because when you're a backbencher, you're, you, you've got limitations on what you can do, certainly compared to the official opposition. So one very good example is that you have this thing called opposition supply days. So the opposition can decide what the topic of debate is going to be. And they decided it was going to be asking for a paper about Brexit and what, the, what it was all going to be. And they forgot, actually not just forgot, the key people didn't understand that the paper you needed to ask for was a white paper because a white paper's got more significance and blah, blah, blah. And they actually just had a motion that called on the government to produce a paper. I mean, it's pitiful, absolutely pitiful. And we won that because we all, you know, there's this gang of us, and we all said we will vote for this Labour motion. And so the government conceded that they would produce a paper, literally could have been, and I thought it was going to be, one side of A4, a paper about Brexit, you know, our futures, our children and our grandchildren's. And that's why we had to, we, 
had to battle on to get the white paper. And that's why I have a lot of time for Theresa May, because to her credit, when she announced in the House that she would, the government would give a, a white paper, I mean, they would give a white paper. I mean, you know, it sounds like it's a big deal. I mean, which it isn't, sort of normal stuff. It shows the state we're all in. But anyway, and she gave the credit, she said, oh, and as, as the member for Broxtow had asked for this white paper. She didn't need to do that, which was good of her. But that's the job of the bloody opposition. That's exactly what they should have been doing, holding the government's feet to the fire, demanding all this stuff. It's not revolutionary to ask for a deal which is about this country's future, one of the most important things that we've ever done, that we might actually have a chuffing vote on it. In terms of your... I mean, it's not revolutionary, is it? In terms of your Conservative values, then, so <coughs> how blue are you? You know, In a different world, if the Labour Party was to become resurgent or there was a new centrist party that was pro-European and in five or ten years' time was campaigning on having a referendum to rejoin the EU against a Conservative Party that was still full-bloodedly Brexit, would you be tempted to join that? No, party? I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old Ken Clark Tory. I always have been. My politics hasn't changed in 40 years. I mean, little bits of it have, but not much. I've, I've always been very socially liberal. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm fairly dry economic. I'm just like Ken. I don't know whether it's a Nottinghamshire thing, but I am. And as I say, my, my politics have barely changed since I first got involved as a student. But if, if British politics becomes Ulsterised, as in a way it has in Scotland, where the defining issue is, are you pro-union or are you pro-independence? If, if England and Wales goes that way and it becomes, are you pro-European or are you anti-European, and that really hardens as a thing, you're then in a party that you sort of fundamentally disagree with. Well, I'm not so sure, you know. I mean, remember that the manifesto that we've been elected on for God knows how many decades has always been pro-EU. It's, it's only because of this referendum. The majority of Tory MPs supported Remain. And it's the, it's the result of the referendum. It's the fact that we lost the darn thing that's buggered everything up. And it has. Did you talk to David Cameron during that period and try and sort of advise him against it? What, about having the referendum? Yeah. No. I mean, I, A, I didn't know him very well at that time, and that's not the point. I thought having a referendum was a good idea. I genuinely thought it was a good idea. I thought we'd win, obviously. You're not going to ask for something that you think you're going to lose. And I thought the British people, sensible, moderate people, will know and understand it's in their economic interests to stay in the EU. I genuinely thought we would win. So did it change your opinion? I was wrong. Did and we should never have had the referendum. But I honestly didn't know. No, but I honestly thought it was the right thing to do because I thought it would lance the boil, settle the matter, shut everybody up, get on with it. And I was wrong. Did it change your opinion of the British people? No, no, I don't think so. No, it's a really good question, actually. Oh, I don't know. Well, no, I think it was... No, 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 no. We, the problem was essentially that Remain was crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, stronger in the, all of that stuff. Look... For me, how, do, how could I campaign? Because the, my party was not in one side or the other. I got no access to all the data. I'd not got much of an enthusiasm. Labour only, only did their own thing, and that was pretty pitiful. And so I, I, what could you do? So you went out on, you stood around in town centres, got quite a lot of abuse, um, because immigration was the 
was the big trigger. That was the big thing. And the terrible mistake that was made was that people like me were specifically told when it became that big thing, we are not talking about immigration. And, that came and that's a street. fact, absolutely. That fact. came from the, the heart absolutely of the Absolutely right. We're not that... talking about it. And my, the other thing was, I used to sit in, this ca in the cabinet, the inn cabinet, and my thing was, I, I, I said it on everyone, I said, I'm really worried about where Labour is. And it was every time it was, Labour's fine. Also, it's all fine. And I thought, it's not effing fine, because I know what's going out there in the real world. And Labour's not getting it together. And if they don't, if they don't deliver their vote, we're, we're absolutely jiggered. And it's, and it's true. It was. It was. It, that was what we needed, and they couldn't deliver it. So that that sort of diktat from, from Downing Street, not to mention immigration. I mean, was that is that proof? Do you think that that Cameron put the interests of his party ahead of? No, no, it wasn't country? because they, they. It was this is this is political tactics gone completely wrong. They thought no, no, don't talk about you know, don't talk city. about immigration. It, 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 you know, don't just talk about the economy. So they applied all the sort of, if you like, the rules that had won us the general election to the referendum, not realising that it was completely blooming different, totally different. At what point did you realise the referendum was lost? Um, it was the, um, I think it was the end of May when I was out in Nottingham City Centre and I've never seen anything since, like that since the 70s. And I'd go up to people and I'd say, EU referendum, in or out, and they'd go... Out, I'm out. All these immigrants, get them out. It was that bad, Matt. I mean, in terms of what that referendum unlocked... And I had unlocked, not seen that, as I say, since the 70s. In terms of what that referendum unlocked, how quickly do you think that will dissipate? Or is that a sort of rationale that we're going to have to live with that's going to fester? What, the anti-immigration thing? Yeah, because it legitimised a lot of it in some people's eyes. Well, of course it did. I mean, hate crime is still running higher than it was this time last year, still running higher. Um, and because it's, it has um, enabled people to say, like the, the man in talking about Newark saying that nobody speaks English in Newark, it enabled people to say the most stupid and nonsensical things. And the trouble is, is nobody's calling it out and challenging it. But the culture and nobody's now, the culture is not just the, the referendum we've had in this country. This whole culture of fake news and alternative facts is that people aren't, exposing themselves to a wider variety of opinions, they're narrowing in, whether it's echo chambers on social media and the algorithms <laughs> that, that en enable you to only listen to things you agree with, or cherry-picking even more so with, with media that's even less rigorous than the Daily Mail, and less rigorous than the tabloids with blogs like The Canary or, you know, Breitbart or whatever it is, where people are... It, 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 it's so little news, it's basically homeopathic now. It's just all opinion. <laughs> That's just going to get worse. My, my view on this is that the future, this is very corny, I know, but it's true, is, is, is youngsters and it's children. Children so, of the future. They are. <laughs> no, but they, it's, that's what we have to do. And so one of the things that... If I'm, some of them are real little shits. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can't say oh, that. Oh, they're brats, some of them. Can't say that. Oh, it brings out the conservative in me when I say. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if I get re-elected, one thing I want to do is actually, and I, I've, there's a number of other key players in our county who want to do the same thing, where we go into schools and we talk about our history as a county and why, and therefore you talk about it, why immigration has been positive and beneficial, and, and so on and so forth. And that's what we have to do. So a sort of new level of political education in schools 
that is what, non-partisan or were you well, allowed... Well, of course it would be non-partisan, but you would teach... Would you allow different groups to come in because... No, you would, you would, part of that citizenship is to explain to people about the richness and the diversity and how that came about, whether it's the, the Polish fighter pilots, whether it's the Ugandan Asians that were booted out by Idi Amin that came into large parts of, I mean, I remember in Worksop where I think we had three black families in the whole of Worksop, uh, and this, this family came in from Uganda who'd been booted out and because everybody talked about it because they hadn't seen an Asian family. Um, and you need to explain how that happened and we gave people a home and, and they were brilliant and wonderful and contributed. You, know, you have to do all that stuff. Do you think you'll be allowed to it's do It's not that? rocket science. Yeah, why wouldn't you be able to do it? We, well, we're meant to be teaching, teaching people citizenship. Yeah, That's no, but, what it's about. This is that you launch a campaign like that and people say, oh, you're trying to politicise children. You know, they're, I'm not trying to politicise them, I'm teaching them their history. If they happen to take away a better view of migration and immigration, What's not to like about that? <laughs> well, I agree with that, but there are. But no, but teach you know, if you if people if people under like my story. <laughs> what did you say? I <laughs> hear that. That's fifty-two percent of the people that might take a different view and say actually. No, lots of immigration depression. <coughs> no, no, because no, no, we do know that amongst leave, a lot of leave people did not vote because of immigration. Uh, but it was an issue, and it still is an issue out there. What's wrong with teaching people, t teaching children about their history? And then they begin to understand and be outward-looking. We, we're meant to teach children about different religions, which is meant to make us more tolerant and not just knowledgeable, but also that's part of tolerance yeah. and so on. So why not about the, the history of a particular county? I mean, you, you talk about sort of tolerance and abuse and things. I, I was in two months before <coughs> to ask you about this, but I've started now. Um, you've had some... Not just the sort of comedic abuse you've had on the doorstep, but serious stuff recently where you received a death threat that was... I've had two. One went to prison this week. Um, someone who said that he was going to Joe Cox you. Well, there were two. There were two. There was a guy who rang the office, the constituency office, and um, made horrible references to Joe Cox, and my staff, had, my team had to take those calls, and that's the one that went to prison this week, and he got eight weeks... Which I, which, as an old criminal barrister, which I also used to be, um, that was a quite, that's a very strong sentence actually. Because it wasn't an actual threat, but it was a reference. So it was under the Malicious Communications Act. Um, and he got eight weeks, immediate custodial sentence, and he pleaded guilty as well. And then there's another one who did a tweet, and they're, they're still working out whether they're going to charge him or not. And that was along a similar line. Yeah, but, and it was in the same week as well. It did, it, it did scare me. I was a bit sort of... Well, I was wobbled by all that. It was not pleasant. But it was the staff. I mean, you know, they shouldn't have to take this shit, should they? No, not at all, but the, the threat's against you. Yeah, so, I, was, I, I was a bit wobbled that week. I didn't like that. And do you think, do you think there is a more febrile atmosphere on the streets of Britain towards politicians than there was maybe even ten years ago? No, because you know what? One of the really weird things is, is that people will often say, well, my MP, you know, he's really good. They do a really not good job. <laughs> no, obviously not. <laughs> well, not down the Ryland. And, um, and so there's that. And then th th they never then sort of then think, well, actually, all around the whole of Britain, there are all these people talking about their MP being all right and then slagging them all off as a group, if you like. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I just think what people got really hacked off with is when you get this spin and people can't answer a question. I mean, I know I listen to people and they don't answer a question straight and you start to sort of sling things at the telly and, 
or at the radio, because you say, oh, just answer the frigging question. But you must have been in the position where you've had to, particularly as a minister, where you've had to evade a little bit. Um, sometimes, but not that much. I always remember I was asked by, I mean, it's not exactly exciting stuff, but there was a big debate at one point, well, probably in the Westminster bubble, about uh, plain packaging and cigarettes. Yes. And uh, I remember my um, civil servant saying, now, on no account whatsoever, Minister, must you give your own opinion. You mustn't do that. And I was being interviewed by John Humphreys on, on the Today programme. And I can remember it now, so I was sitting at the kitchen table and he said, uh, so, Minister, do you believe in the plain packaging of cigarette packets? And I, and I knew he was thinking that. I said, well, you know, we have to consider. I went, I do, actually. I think it's a really good idea. And there was this complete silence in the end of the... Complete silence. Because I'd actually... And he went, um... Right, OK, right, fine. <clears throat> and it was, you know, it was very disarming. But, yeah, <clears throat> sorry. We need more of that. People aren't stupid. They know when you're prevaricating. They know when you, you know, East gay sex is sin. How many times do you have to ask the question without getting a proper... Nearly said a straight answer. <laughs> <laughs> Why has no one done that joke before? <laughs> Why haven't I done that joke before? Well, you'd do it better than me. Oh, we're doing that joke tomorrow night or whatever gig I'm doing. Thank you very much. Um, I promised that we'd come back to John McDonnell. Um, you, were, you were on a... Well, you were on Question Time. One of the best episodes of Question Time in the modern era. And it was you and... John McDonnell and Alistair Campbell. Oh, my new friend. I've got all these new friends. <laughs> Alistair it was, Campbell. It was an absolute rumble of an episode. Oh, yeah. And you turned on John McDonnell and backed Alistair Campbell up over him. In fact, you probably got more stuck in than Alistair Campbell did. No, they got stuck in in the green room afterwards. I ran off because I knew that with... Because I don't do that stuff where I say something but can't say it to somebody's face. Mm. And I thought, don't... Just go. Because I knew I'd go over to him and give him, you know. Um, a bit oh. of a verbal, bit oh. of a verbal, yeah. and I thought, no, no, don't just go. And apparently Campbell did, and they got started. It was pretty much nearly fisticuffs and everything. But yeah, I just think he's an abs. I think he's a grade one disgrace of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> one, one because. He's an IRA apologist. Secondly, uh, and he really is, and he needs just those weasel words which say, if I've offended somebody, I apologise. No, actually, don't give me that shit. Uh, you know, retract what you said. Not this, this weasel words about, if I've offended you. Yeah, that's just one thing. Also, because he, he basically made threats against Esther McVeigh, which was bang out of order. Yeah. And thirdly, I've got friends who are Labour women MPs who've had the most appalling abuse on social media from so-called Corbynistas, and he could have stopped that, and he bloody hasn't. He's, an, he's a disgrace. Oh, God, I'm going off on a rant again. So have you ever sort of dealt with him other than on Question Time? No. Well, he's one of those sort of characters you never even see around the place. Because he does have that habit when he has his words repeated back to him, like... Uh, on, I think it was honouring people through the bullets in the ballot box, or whatever that the was phrase it. was, that was it. Um, through the history of Irish republicanism. Um, when he's then presented with these words, he does that thing where he'll talk deliberately, quietly. Like yeah, that. that's right. And I was just trying to fight for peace and bloody Northern Ireland. I'm through gritted bloody teeth here. <coughs> and that's a weird thing he does when he was on Andrew Mark. What <coughs> camera am I on here? What bloody <coughs> camera am I? He got. Uh, I've never seen anyone clearly so <coughs> ready to scream. 
<laughs> having to contain themselves as much as, as John McDonnell does. I mean, he's, he's quite a phenomenon in Parliament, isn't he? In terms no, of his, not at all. But, well, in terms of how... <laughs> he's got no presence, he's got he, no charisma, he's got no abilities at the dispatch I mean. box. He, he he's have. a non-event. But it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you see other people at the dispatch box and you, you admire them. They, they can speak well and they've got... Ed Balls. Yeah. Was was great at the dispatch box, and you could see when he got into, you know, he loved it, and he would be over here and over there, <laughs> taking intervention and everything else, and you, you know, so there's an admiration for that. Of course, there is. McDonald, complete non-event, of a human being and everything, non-event. <laughs> Sorry, but. But that's remarkable, isn't it? When you see someone like that who is a totemic figure in the Labour Party now, unable to command respect even on the. The immediate bench behind. Oh yeah, and and of course, because you when you sit in the House of Commons uh, and you look across, and like today, you know, you looked at the faces of Chucker, uh, Rachel. I just there was a group Chucker. There was Rachel Reeves. I think Chris Leslie was there, and I I like Chucker Amuna hugely. I I really do like Chucker, and their faces were just leaden. They were just solid, sitting behind Corbyn as he was doing his thing. And they, they all, they're all like that. And then the next thing that happens is there's a breakout of the phones and the iPads. And they're all on their phones going... <laughs> like that. Just, it, it, it's, it is Can dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's not, it is not good. Well, that's what you see when you look over there. When people look over at the Conservative bench and they see you sat up in that back corner with Tim Lawton and... What, what's it, you call yourselves Rough Trade? Yeah, with a rough crew. No, yeah, something like that. Well, we don't call ourselves that. Tim Lawton does. Well, it's Timmy's problem, not. <laughs> but there's a, what I'm getting at is you're in a group of MPs. Yeah, we are loud, and we're a, yeah, we are as a group of us, and we are loud. Quite naughty. It's quite funny because when George Osborne walked in for the first time after, you know, obviously being sacked, and you could see this moment when he looked up and he thought, "Now where am I going to sit?" And, he, and we all went. It's <laughs> <laughs> true, and you could, you could see him thinking. <laughs> and there was nowhere else. We're going. Come on, George. <laughs> we'll look after you. And I was. Come on. Come and sit here. <laughs> because you're the thinking. Back of the bus. <laughs> I can't get out of it. I can't. He got nowhere else to go. But he did. He actually has come and sat with us. <laughs> but so this. <laughs> Who else in that group then? You, Tim Lawton. So it runs, there's Keith Simpson. Yes. And then there's uh, Tim Lawton, then there's me. And then there's different characters in different seats at different times. But there'll be um, Alex Shelbrook, who's that enormous man from Yorkshire. He comes in, because we'll go, oh, fuck, don't get him to come and see. He'll take up two seats. <laughs> okay, Alex. Go down there. Oh, no, he's going to go. So there's Alec and then Nicky and, and Alistair Burton. Then Simon Burns always sits there and Caroline Noakes. And then there's other people who have sat there. And you can see them thinking, oh, my God, this is awful. And they never come back. Stop being in with the ultras. Stop <laughs> being in the away end. So it's we're loud. And then you've got, you've got some... You've got other, so we're quite a mix in a way because Carl McCartney, who's from um, Lincoln, he always comes up there. What do you say to me? Because a lot of people say, oh, Prime Minister Questions is too rowdy and the way these... It is rowdy, it's appalling. And, and Burko gets very annoyed with you all. Um, he only gets annoyed if he's not the star. <laughs> but can you justify your behaviour in the Commons? No. <laughs> <laughs> he 
it is bad. No, it is. I am conscious, but it's quite interesting that my eldest daughter. It's <laughs> dreadful. Um, just not long after I got elected in 2010, my oldest daughter came in, and she'd done all this thing. She'd gone, oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, you're, it's just appalling. And she came in, and she was in the public gallery, and I'll obviously I met her afterwards, and she said, oh, it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> You can't understand and appreciate the atmosphere because it is much smaller, much more intimate than people ever imagine. And she thought it was amazing. And that's the reaction from people is when they actually experience it. So you think about it, where else is there in, in the world where, you know, the leader of that country literally is standing there and the leader of the opposition is not that far away and they are, you know, held to account. Well, that's the, that's the theory. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not been happening for a long bloody time. No. I mean, I, I, I love the atmosphere of the Commons. I think it needs to be a bit rowdy. I think you can no, just I, I, I think I think a lot of people get a bit hacked off with it. Actually. Have you ever shouted anything that you've regretted? No. And I was accused of using foul language. And I do sometimes use bad... Oh, I do use bad language. There's certain words I never use. I never use the C word ever, anywhere. Somebody over there said get their name and number. Um, you wouldn't but, use that in Parliament anyway, would you? I mean, but, 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 I mean, I never swear in the chamber. Because I, I feel, I nearly said I feel like I'm in court. <laughs> but I never used to shout in court and behave, but misbehave in court. But, I mean, you, you know, you, you are conscious. But then sometimes you forget that there are these things called cameras because they're quite discreet. And you forget that actually things are being broadcast. So what sort of things would you say then? I'll shut up. Um, no, actually, I don't say shut up. Um, it's things like, um, I'm just trying to think what the sort of things you'll say is um, change the record. I mean, that's really exciting, isn't it? Oh, change the record. Or look behind you, we say to Jeremy, look behind you. Look behind you, look behind you. And then Angus Robertson stands up from the SNP and we all, we all, there's this, Ooh. <laughs> Which is an awful thing to have to put out with. Tim Farron gets that. And then, and Tim Farron. Actually, I'm not, I didn't used to be that rude to Tim Farron. But with Angus Robertson, the, the joke today was we sh I'm shouting out, Tory Gain. Because <laughs> he, he's, he's, well, you know, you never know what might happen. Because he's in Aberdeenshire. Main, yeah, in Murray. It was very close. I think it was only yep. sort of 100 votes. Mm -hmm. uh, Difference between even remaining. Uh, yeah, and Ruth Davidson's done a cracking job, so, you know, it's all changing in Scotland. I mean, obviously, it's still going to be huge numbers of SNP, but it could be that Labour lose their. And can you believe we're even having this conversation? Labour could actually lose their only MP in Scotland. It's phenomenal. Because I used to live in Scotland, so I know a little bit about it. Well, I, I, um, I was, oh, it's a long story, and this audience will go mad if they haven't heard it, but, um, but I, I was the honorary president of Stirling University. So I stood as an English Tory and got elected at the most left-wing university in Scotland. This is obviously, you know, before most of you lot were born. Uh, so it was back in the um, early 80s. And so I got a job in a wonderful place called Alloa, and I worked on a newspaper. I did that for a year. Then I ended up in Aberdeen. And I worked in Aberdeen for Grampian for two years, Grampian TV. So then that shut you up, didn't it? I was going, oh, well, did but I did just want to just return just to just to that sort of naughty corner of Parliament because that seems yeah. to me 
whenever the Conservatives laugh, that's the bit that Corbyn always looks at. He always seems to be looking almost. I wonder if he's... Well, that's because we're the noisiest bit. But does he ever eyeball to you directly? Or no, no. Been? And actually, I had a conversation... See, he's a nice man. I don't say he's not a nice man at all. And I was standing getting uh, some coffee in PCH, which is Portcullis House, and um, I was in the queue and he was there. And uh, so we started chatting. And we, we, I can't remember. We, he, he started... We started talking about the hours that Parliament works. And he said, oh, yes, it needs to be more family-friendly and everything. And then he, I said something about being back on the back benches. And he said, um, he said, yes, he said, and you're very good at that. I got an endorsement from Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Don't tell your constituents, for God's sake. But no, but I mean, you know, we just chatted away. So it's just right. like your geography teacher, really, you know. And off he'd got, and he'd got that little black cap thing on, and Seamus was lurking in the background. He looks like a seriously nasty piece of work. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, we got our coffees, and off that was it, off, off we went. Just a special moment with Jeremy. It was just weird. It's like something off a sort of internet dating advert or something. Going... Now you're being sick. Right? <laughs> <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I just think the guy's way out of his depth. Well, he never wanted this, you know. That's true. He never wanted, and it is a, it is really sad, because you know you do want good you do want good strong oppositions, and to see a great party, and the Labour Party is a great party, but to see it in the state it's in, Matt, is bad stuff. It is. Well, let's try and let's try and bad find stuff. some levity in the room by opening it up to audience questions. So we'll take uh, three or four. Can ask for quick questions, please, and quick answers, and we'll wrap up. Right, okay, right, right, good. Possibly not can. Good. Yes, the oh, lady wow. at the back there. Just wait. We'll get a roving microphone to you. Uh, <laughs> Yes, the lady with her hand in the air, she's still there? Yes, and let us know your name. <coughs> and uh, a quick question, a quick answer, please. Hi, I'm Julia. Um, I'm just wondering who you thought the Labour leader would be that the Tories would be most afraid of? Oh, Yvette Great Cooper. Question. Yvette Cooper. Oh. Yvette Cooper, is re and you know what she asked a question, I think it was the other week? That's PMQs. Stunning. I think Yvette has really grown... And I think that if there is um, in stature and ability and everything else, and Height. you know, no, 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 sorry, sorry. no you know, oh, never mind. You know what I mean? And um, I, I think that if there's anybody who's going to take on this lot, it'll be Yvette Cooper. And this lot being your lot? No, no, the Labour Party. You know, oh, if they sorry. get rid of the Corbyn, all that stuff, and Yvette Cooper, and she will be a formidable opponent. She's very, she's very good. Yvette Cooper gets Anna Subri's vote in the next no, leadership no, no. contest. No, 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 don't vote. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> she's, okay, she's, she's a nice human being. Oh, yes, there's a chap over there waving. We, we, we'll get a, um, well, if anyone else would just like to indicate, so I know where to come to next. <laughs> yes, down the front. And if anyone on the balcony would like to ask for Yes, okay, cool. Hello. Hello. Hi. I just wanted to say, I've not been to Nottingham in my adult life, and I understand you have some of the best and most historic pubs in England. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so to Jerusalem. That's not my question, though. Exactly, that Jerusalem one. But no, that's not my question. <laughs> I just wanted to say, I'm a Tory member, and I was a Leave voter, but um, okay. it's nothing to do with immigration. It, my, my actual point on immigration was that I don't think we should be prioritising anyone from the EU over some talented doctors from India or... IT people from anywhere in the world. I mean, I have a very libertarian view on that. Um, I would like to see England being not protectionist, but going out there and being free trading the world. My opinion was always that the EU was a protectionist block, and perhaps I'm slightly silly and, silly and idealistic, but as, as your start on things, and obviously you're on the free trading kind of thing, now that you know you've lost, can you champion people like me who voted for Brexit that was all about 
immigration around the world and about free trade around the world? Can we go for that kind of thing now and not a closed England kind of Brexit? Well, you, you might be right, but the trouble is, you, you know, that's not what a lot of other people voted for. And, and unfortunately, um, it's at large that um, you know, people are going to be very disabused like you who thinks that there are going to be more people coming in from countries like India. I mean, sorry, but get real. I mean, <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? I mean, you know, people... Um, I think it is moving. I think the government's moving on this, but the idea that hard Brexiteers actually want... <laughs> we know that certain people went into the temples, the Sikh temples, and said to them, you know, well, vote, vote to leave the EU and more people will be coming from India. And it's like, you know, it's just so blatantly dishonest because this so-called control means fewer immigrants, but actually the government is understanding the, the, the benefits of immigration and I think they're beginning to shift their policy. But I mean, I, I mean I've got, and it's not just friends that voted for leave, I mean, people in my own office, young, young two... Two of the young ones in my office, they voted leave. used to work in your office. <laughs> no, they still do. They still do. And they had this thing about sovereignty and stuff that I really don't want to talk about again because we just, you know, we lost and we had to move on. But do you, do you sort of banter about it with them? Is there a sort of... Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's quite interesting as to the, the shift that's going on because on immigration, for example, they are hor they've been horrified by some of the stuff. And so they've said, hang on, this is not what I thought Brexit was all about. What do they expect? Well, I know, lovely, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> OK, there's a, uh, the lady down at the front, please. Uh, we'll get the microphone down here. Pav, thank you very much. Given that you seem... Is that on? Say, no, sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, given that I would say you seem possibly out of um, touch with most of you conservative views on various different things. I wonder what your view is on grammar schools. <laughs> <laughs> it seems All right. like a very high Tory priority. Well, you might well be right. I might actually be out of kilter on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that really hacks me off is this idea that grammar schools give you choice. It makes me very angry, because the one thing you do you don't choose to go to a grammar school. You have to pass an exam to go to a grammar school. And, and I'm somebody who did pass my 11 plus. That's how old I am. And, um, and then we went comprehen comprehensive after well, it two years. Well, depends when you passed it. Hmm? Depends when you passed it. No, I did. I, no, and, and then we went comprehensive. And this is so, so long ago. You know, for God's sakes, we've moved on. And actually, if you want to know how to improve schools, look at what happened in London. And London schools have improved phenomenally, and they didn't have to introduce the 11 plus to do it. They did it without selection at 11. Selection at 11 is a bad idea, in my opinion. There you go, straight answer. So the final question, up oh. on the balcony. Have you got the microphone? I think the microphone's still down here. Sorry, Pav. It's the chap up at the balcony. The microphone is coming right at the back. If you just pop your hand up in the air so that Pav can see when he, when he comes up. Uh, and it's his customary. This is the last question. It will be the best question ever asked. <laughs> no pressure. Here we go. No pressure. Uh, thanks for the pressure. Oh, hold on. Pav's got to turn it on when he gets back down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> sort, of, sort of Mario game. OK, here we go. OK, that's a lot of pressure. But um, look, it's, it's wonderful hearing you speak so passionately about immigration and the, the, the pros of it and why we should support it. Um, I do think some of the negativities around 
uh, is around a lack of integration or a perceived lack of integration. I'd be interested in your thoughts on, on integration and, and how we can promote it, how we can enable it better. It, integration what, between? With, with migrant community, with migrants oh, yeah, I mean, into their communities. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you go where there are, where there are, if you go to places like Boston, in, in Lincolnshire. In Le Lincolnshire. No, but seriously, that's... Yeah, these are these... What? Not in America. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people have never heard of Boston in Lincolnshire. Just, but he didn't think I was talking about going to Boston in America, did he? I was anyway. referring to the UK. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I was kidding. You know, if, you, if, you, if you go... To, I, 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 so... Anyway, if you were to go to Boston in Lincolnshire, right, just off the A52... Yeah, there are, there are you, this is my thing about immigration, is that you get that initial thing that says, well, you know, it's all rubbish and there's all these Poles and Latvians and Lithuanians. And, you know, there's all these shops. And you go, yeah, they're shops. They've got people in them. So I tell you what, we'll leave the EU. We'll get rid of all these migrant workers. And then what will be in the shops? Nothing. They'll all close. <laughs> so that sounds like a really good idea. And look, I mean... Well, potatoes and daffodils at the very least. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, where, I mean, people who've come here, um, yes, the sh integration, of course you should integrate. People should get to know other communities and, and, and other backgrounds and everything else. And if you, actually, the best thing I can say is go to Leicester. Look at what's happened in the city of Leicester where there's no one racial group that ha is in the majority. And I think things have absolutely worked out in, in Leicester. They won the Premier League. Yeah, exactly. And if you go and watch, if you go and watch, a do you know one of the great things, and I do actually, because I watch quite a lot of football, and I don't just watch it at home on the telly, but I also try and go to games. I go and watch Notts County. Oh, I actually saw them win. <laughs> First time in four years. But if you go to, but don't, one of the great things that's happened in Leicester, so you go and watch Leicester Tigers, which I do, you'll find very few Asian people are watching Leicester Tigers. Well, it's, still, the it's the rugby team. It's still a, pretty much a white sort of game. Go and watch Leicester City and it's much more integrated. And it's just that thing about we're, we're all Brits and, our, and our, our heritage and where we've come from is really great and interesting and you can still be a Brit and it's just like... God, and crucially, as you, as you point out, football's better than rugby. <laughs> no, if it's good. It's whether it's good. And God, I watch Notts County and sometimes it's so bad it's not true. <laughs> but I, 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 mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this, this thing about it, what you don't want is when you have pockets of people, whoever they may be, who keep themselves entirely to themselves. And actually the biggest problem we have is that there are some, there are some parts of Britain where you've got some communities that are totally inward looking. And that, that's not good. You've got to have, all of us got to be outward looking. And actually, and not just you, not, I'm not having to go at this guy here, but one of the things that does define remain over leavers, and not all, because you can't stereotype, is that it tended to be that if you were a remainer, you had much more of an open outlook. Whatever your class and background was, you were much more that way. And it tended to be that, more, that, that leavers were more inward-looking and kind of wanted to retreat back to something that we probably never had anyway. And, you know, Remainers were a bit outward-looking. So we should all be outward-looking and embrace. What, right now? <laughs> 
Group hug at the end of a show. Uh, Anna, it has been an absolute treat. Ladies and gentlemen, you're always fantastic, but please give a huge thank you to the wonderful Anna Super. Man, this, I love going back through all these. It just brings back so many happy memories. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. But as I said with the Keir Starmore one a few weeks ago, 2017 it feels like a different decade. I mean, I know it was a different decade, but you know, it feels like it was more than 10 years ago. It feels like people should be studying that in GCS history or GCSE history already. That, that is from another time. And Anna Subri, what a star. So I hope you're enjoying these repeats. As soon as I'm well enough, the live shows will return. But until then, it's, you may not have heard these before. Um, so uh, I thought this was a good idea to pick some of my faves. And I'll be back next week with another one. Please leave a five-star written review. Um, tell everyone about it. And I'll see you next time. Ta-ra. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.